18. 1 Kings chapter 18. And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. And he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. And said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. It came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, Go up and say unto Ahab, Prepare thy chariot, get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel, and the hand of the Lord was upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins, and he ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. I want to preach to you. Let me read the, the text verse. Actually, several of them. 41. And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. And then skipping down to verse 43. And he said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. I want to preach to you tonight with the help of the Lord on keep praying, keep looking, keep listening. Keep praying, keep looking, keep listening. Reverend Two weeks, sir, would you please pray over our message of messenger? Amen, amen. You may be seated. Once again, we are glad you're here. Don't forget about Family and Friends Day. I know we didn't maybe talk about it as much this morning as uh, we would have liked to, but really important time of year for us as a church, an opportunity to reach out to these people, family and friends, get them saved. Heaven won't be quite the same if we leave behind those that we love so much without doing our very best to get them to Christ. Amen? The Bible said that old men dream dreams, that young men would see visions. I told my wife I had a dream last night. I was not ascribing it to a spiritual thing. It was kind of a spiritual dream because I was still thinking that maybe I, I don't qualify for old. But she turned around and said, well, hey, <laughs> in so many words, you know, you may be an old man now, which makes her my old lady. Amen. <laughs> not really, baby, not really. We're still young. In our dreams we are anyhow. <laughs> but in my dream, God reached out, and he put his finger on me, and he said, I want you to fast. And I woke up, again, not knowing whether it's spiritual or not, but whether it is or not, that's probably a good idea. And I want you to think about that when we look at what we read tonight in the Bible. We shared with you this morning this whole story, this whole history of Elijah, and how that he was instrumental in the hand of God in turning the nation back to God. How that 
He prayed and God used him. We shared with you that very likely he could have said, God, do something. And God turned it around to Elijah and said, Elijah, you do something. And I encourage you, if you didn't, weren't with us this morning, go back and watch the sermon. Go back, listen to it. Let God speak to you through it. And we talked about being prepared for whatever times may come and whatever times are coming in our nation. But at the end of Elijah standing up to Ahab and his wicked wife Jezebel and their idolatry, I didn't give you this particular portion. There was three and a half years of drought. There was three and a half years where there was no rain and there was a a famine through the land. But once Elijah had stood up to Ahab and Jezebel and the priests and prophets and there was that showdown on Mount Carmel, it said that afterwards Elijah went up to pray and Ahab went up to eat and to drink. And I thought about that in relation to whether, again, I'm not saying it was a spiritual dream or not, just something I had been thinking about and God seemed to deal with me in my, in, in my sleep. But Ahab went up to eat and drink. But Elijah went up to pray. It was as, almost as if Ahab didn't realize the, the seriousness of the situation. Almost as if Ahab was not thinking about that, the whole weight of the nation. But Elijah was. And so instead of catering to his flesh, Elijah went and got alone with God. Now, I intend tonight to be a victorious Christian service for, uh, for us to do the very best we can to, to minister strength and faith to you. But sometimes the very way of victory is through the spiritual disciplines. Praying, reading our Bible, fasting, coming to church. And although we don't talk about it much, it is a, fasting is a tool that we can use to begin to uh, silence the flesh with its constant cries for comfort and begin to sharpen the appetite of our spirit and soul. We've got Family and Friends Day coming up. We've got revival coming up. So as I thought about what I dreamed and I thought about the things that are approaching And if your heart beats with even an ounce of concern for our country or our nation, an ounce of concern for our city and our church, perhaps you would join with me and choose a day and say, God, let me push away for a moment from feeding my flesh and let me feed my spirit and soul. God, let me push away for a day. And cry unto you that you would do something special in our friends and family day. For we don't want it to be just a a time of social gathering. We're not after just a, a, a time of attendance. We want more people to come because it's more people that hear the gospel. But what I really want is people transformed, sons and daughters of God brought into the family of God, men and women born again by the Spirit of God. But we face not just a physical or a fleshly battle, but we face a spiritual battle. Sometimes if we cater to the flesh so much, we don't recognize that there are spiritual wickedness in high places. There's something behind the battle. There's something behind the scene. You say, preacher, I'm trying to overcome this. I'm trying to overcome that. I've done this, that, and the other. Have you recognized that you're fighting a spiritual battle? 
That it's not a battle against your brother. It's not a battle against your sister. There are spirits that we wrestle with. There are things that we must overcome. And we don't overcome them with earthly, fleshly weapons. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Ahab didn't realize seemingly the, the, the weight of the moment. And he went up to eat. But, but Elijah went up to pray. And the Bible said he cast himself down on the ground. And there as he's on the ground with his head between his knees and he's beginning to pray, he tells his servant, I want you to go up and look and see if you see any clouds in the air. For he had already told the king, there's a sound of abundance of rain. There's something coming. There's been three and a half years where there hasn't been any rain. It's been a long, dry time. But I want to tell you tonight, king, something's getting ready to happen. Brothers, sometimes in the spiritual realm, you just begin to sense we've been praying and we've been working and we've been believing but we've got to begin to listen and say I just believe God's getting ready to do something I just believe that God wants to open this thing up and give us revival I just believe that God wants to give us a, a reaping a harvest of souls before the end time brother we've got to do like Elijah and sometimes lay aside the fleshly hunger the fleshly things Say, God, let me pray. Let me seek you. Let me expect. Ahab gave in to the carnal. But Elijah went and sharpened the spiritual. He said, there's a sound of abundance of rain. But before Elijah had ever seen a cloud... Before Elijah had ever felt the wind blowing in, the storm that was going to saturate and bring fruit and, and bring a, a, an end to the famine, Elijah had been listening in the spiritual realm. Elijah had been tuned in to what God was trying to say. Brother, I want to I let you know there is an enemy that wants to fill our hearts and fill our minds and fill our ears with every voice and every distraction so that we cannot hear the voice of God. But if we can silence Turn off the Facebook, turn off the computer, get rid of the TV, stop catering to all those fleshly things, and get alone in a closet somewhere and say, God, I need to hear what you're saying to me. God, I need to hear what you want to do in my life, in what you want to do in my family, what you want to do in the church. Brother, it's not that God's any different. It's not that God has stopped caring. It's that we've got to listen to what he's saying. We've got to tune in, tune out of all the voices that constantly distract us and get alone somewhere and say, God, what are you saying to me? It began with Elijah praying. Now, we're seeing the end of three and a half years of, of, of fasting or of, of famine and, and drought. But we know Elijah was praying before that. And we can imagine all during that time he was praying. And now we find him once again praying. Here's the thing I want you to understand. Prayer is still powerful. 
prayer still accomplishes things. Prayer can do more than Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, and Warren Buffett put together. Prayer can do more than the governor. It can do more than the mayor. It can do more than uh, the president. Prayer can move the hand of God. It can begin to touch God and say, God, won't you do something? That's why the devil fights prayer and tries to keep us from prayer, tries to keep us distracted so we won't spend any time with God. And that's why the Spirit of God is constantly calling his people into a deeper prayer, into more time alone with God, because nothing is going to bring our nation back, nothing is going to alter our family, nothing is going to change your marriage or your personal spiritual situations without you getting alone with God and saying, God, it's time for me to do business with you. We have been so distracted by how much money we make, by the car we drive, by the spouse we have or don't have, by all the things that cater to our flesh that we have missed that we're living in a spiritual realm. But Ahab and Elijah, Ahab went to the, catered to the fleshly realm, but Elijah went to the spiritual realm. And he said, I want you to a servant. I want you to look. Elijah began to pray, and the servant came back. And he said, what do you see? He said, I don't see anything. And he said, keep looking. You see, if the enemy can discourage us from our prayer time, if he can get us to where we stop expecting, if he can get us to where we stop believing, then our prayer and our time alone with God becomes ineffective. The Bible said the just shall live by and walk by faith. There's got to be a constant trusting and believing in God. And so the enemy constantly works his very best to get us to doubt God. It was the very crux of the enemy's temptation or attack against our Savior. He said, if you be the Son of God. The temptation wasn't for him to give in to whatever things that he was tempting him. The temptation was for him somehow to believe, perhaps I'm not. Perhaps, perhaps I'm not. And the enemy uses the same tactics against us. If you were really a Christian, if you were really a man of God, if you were really born again, if you were really filled with the Holy Ghost, you've got to shut the mouth of the enemy and say, I am born again. I've surrendered my life to Christ. I am an overcomer. I've been filled with the Spirit. I am called to be a soul winner. God has me here as an ambassador for Christ. I've got a mission. I've got a purpose in my life. And my purpose isn't just to get married and have children. It's not just to fill a bank account and fill up a 401k. But my purpose is to please God and to help others and to win people for Jesus Christ. I've got a little sign on my computer downstairs in my office. It says, what's our mission and does everyone know it? What's our mission and does everyone know it? Now, I I want you to understand, I told the soul winners, I said, sometimes when you go to a butcher and they cut up a steak for you, They'll begin to cut off the excess, the extra fat, the things that don't that don't really aren't really necessary, so that you can have just that good, juicy 
piece of steak. And I said, as we're getting ready to go for soul winning or uh, for family and friends day and for revival, why don't you ask God, God, are the things that you can cut off, things that you can remove from my life that really aren't important, are the things that you can, you can cut away? But here's the thing. Even when the butcher cuts away a, a bunch of the other junk, he still leaves a little bit of fat, a little bit of flavor. Amen. And so God may remove some of the excess things, but it doesn't mean that we don't have a fellowship with Christians. It doesn't mean that we don't have a enjoy a meal together or have uh, fun and joke and laugh and enjoy the, the presence of, of God and the fellowship of the brothers and sisters. But if that's all we give, if you had a steak and all it had was one little piece of meat and six inches of fat around it, that's not too appetizing. Amen. And so, Elijah kept on praying. He prayed even when the attack came. You're praying, and you can imagine the enemy saying, whatever you're doing, it's not going to work. Uh, look, uh, the, me- the messenger already came back saying there is no cloud. Why do you keep praying? Don't you know it hasn't rained for three years, uh, three and a half years? It's not going to rain now. But that didn't mess with Elijah. He just kept on praying. Hey, brother. Hey, sister. Maybe you're praying for something. Say, I'm praying for my uh, spouse to get saved. Or I'm praying for my wayward child. Or I'm praying for my neighbor. Or I'm praying for my coworker. And I've been praying for year after year. Don't stop. Stop praying. Don't stop believing. There comes a time, and sometimes I go to God. I still got some family members I'm praying for, and I say, God, I pray that you save them. I'm going to thank you in faith that they're going to come to Christ. I'm not going to keep on praying that over and over again that you do the same thing. I'm going to believe and praise you as if I already expect that you're doing it. Amen. Thank you for saving this, this uh, family member. Thank you for saving that family member. I trust you're working it out. Elijah did not stop praying. He kept on praying. He told the servant, you go look again. He came back, nothing. He said, you just keep looking. And you can imagine that servant trudging back and forth saying, man, this, uh, this preacher's crazy. If he wasn't paying me, I'd probably get out of here. He got me going back and forth, back and forth. I'm going to go up there. I say there's nothing again. I'm going up there. I still don't see anything, Elijah. I'm going up there. Elijah, there's no cloud. Elijah, why don't you stop praying? Elijah, you know, sometimes the folks that are supposed to be helping you start to hurt you. Sometimes the folks that are there are supposed to be assisting you actually work to undermine you. Man, I don't want to be that way. I think they say the Hippocratic Oath. I'm saying it right. If I mispronounce it, you'll know what I'm talking about. The ones that the doctors take, part of it is to do no harm. Don't hurt anybody. You're supposed to help them, but you certainly don't want to hurt them. Sometimes we're working together with brothers and sisters. Maybe you can't help them, but don't hurt them. Amen? Don't hurt them. And I don't know exactly what he said. He just kept back coming back and saying, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. There's nothing there. And finally, Elijah said, go again seven times. And it came to pass, the Bible said, at the seventh time, he said, I see a little cloud. 
just like a little man's hand off in the distance. And Elijah said, that's all I needed. What was he saying? I heard it in the spiritual realm. I prayed for it. And now I'm looking for I see it. I'm expecting it to come. Brother, sometimes we've got to grab hold of that little bit that God gives us and say, here it is. It's the drop that's going to announce the deluge. It's the drizzle that's going to bring in the typhoon. It's the little bit that's going to usher in the great bit. God wants us to keep praying, keep looking, and keep listening. To pray and pray again. To keep on praying and to expect that our prayers will be answered. God, I'm asking you to save my family members. God, I'm asking you to do to do great things in our city. God save St. Louis. God save St. Louis. I read of a man, he was a missionary to Fiji, and he had worked his whole life there. He was on his deathbed, and they came in, and they heard him praying. And as he was praying, he was saying, God, save Fiji. Save Fiji. Save Fiji. All of his life he had given to reaching this people. And now even at the end of his life, he's crying out to God, God, save this nation, this island, this people. What would it be like if every one of us carried that burden? You say, preacher, there's times I feel that and there's times I don't. I understand. That's when we have to stop and think. How do you feel conviction of sin? You think about it. You come to a church service and the preacher starts talking about something that's in your life. You start thinking about it. The Spirit of God is dealing with you. You say, oh, man, I need to get rid of that. How do you start feeling a burden for souls? You think about it. You say, man, this coworker of mine, I've been working next to at the factory, drinking coffee with, and they curse, and they talk about this person they were sleeping with and that person that they were sleeping with and how they cheated this one and they hate that one and hate that one. If they don't get saved, they're going to die and go to hell for eternity. And when you think about that, when you think about that, it should start to make you feel something. Maybe start to make you pray for them. Maybe start to make you, God, give me an opportunity to speak to them. We think about our sin that brings conviction. We think about souls that brings an urgency to see them saved. He kept on praying. He kept on looking. And he kept on listening. You see, long before he ever saw anything naturally, he heard something in the spiritual realm. I wonder, there's times I've prayed, somebody will come and tell me, God told me this. Now I know, a lot of times people come and say that and you you might as well believe the devil as you believe them. Amen. You look at their life and you say, man, God's not speaking to this guy. He's, not, he's, a, he's a fentanyl dealer. He's a, uh, you know, he's a blackjack. She's a, she's a go-go dancer and all this stuff. That, that God's not speaking to her to give me a message. And sometimes I understand that. But sometimes there's people you look at and they're really walking with God. And they get this message from God and you see it coming to pass and coming to fruition. And I don't know about you, but whenever that happens, it makes me stop and say, God, I've got to hear what you're saying to me. God, I I don't want to miss. If you're talking, I've got to hear what you're saying to me. You know, sometimes we we spend so much time in prayer filling the air. 
If we were having a conversation with somebody, it would be obnoxious. You ever get to a conversation and all they do is talk, 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 talk? You're trying to say something, and it's, oh, let me tell you this, and this and that and that and the other, and then and my dog's hairdresser and her aunt and her uncle, and they did this and they did that, and that, but, 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 but. it's a constant stream for the next two hours. And you're sitting there, first you're trying to say something, and you realize, well, it's no use. I'm never going to say anything. I might as well just sit here and pretend like I know what she's saying. Amen? What would it be like if we go to God that way? God, I need this, and bless me with this, and God, help me with this, and, and God, give me more of this, and God, you know I want this, and I need this, and I need this, and God's saying, hey, would you listen to me for a moment? Do you think maybe I've got something to say to you? Do you think maybe I want to give you direction for your life? Now, we already know we said certain things. He said, you must be born again. He said, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that thou shalt be saved. We already know. He said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. There's certain things that God has said that we've already heard. But I wonder if he's not trying to say something to us today. Keep praying. Keep looking. Keep listening. Get ready, musicians. What does God want us to do? Elijah prayed. He sought God and went to the spiritual realm instead of catering to the fleshly realm. He expected. He looked for the answer to his prayer. He listened to what God was saying to him. And then when the clouds came and the storms came, the Bible said, he told the the king, hey, you better get up out of here because the storm is coming. The rain is coming, and the Bible said he ran. Matter of fact, the hand of God was upon him, and Elijah outran the chariot with uh, Ahab in it all the way back to the city of Jezreel. Now, here's where I want to get with you. We got to pray. We got to look. We got to listen. But we've got to act. We've got to do something. At the, end of it, at the end of it all, Elijah was running. He said, I've got something. I've got, I've got to get to a place where God wants me. I've got to do what God wants me to do. We can't just hear the message, listen to the song, and then go on about our life. God's saying, are you ready? Put it into practice. Would you right now you stand with me with those hands? Say, God, I want to keep praying. I want to keep looking. I want to keep listening. Tonight, will you lift your heart and say, God, here I am. I believe you to do something in my family, in my life, in my city. I want you, God, to give us God a revival. I'm willing to push away from the table. I'm willing, God, 